Welcome. You are listening to the Cover to Cover podcast, lively conversations with cutting edge authors, hosted by Mary Elizabeth Jackson. Mary is an author, advocate, and educator. Join us to find your new favorite author, book, or inspiration. And now, here's Mary. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Cover to Cover. I am thrilled today uh, for the guest that I have on. Um, California writer, screenwriter Michael Malone pens a novella that deftly, curiously spins a story of being a confident to iconic L.A. lit figure, Charles Bukowski, to his job with the feds. So what an amazing experience to have that in your life. So um, we get to ask Michael some questions today, and um, very, very excited about that. Um, the New York Magazine said, New Yorker Magazine said this about the iconic L.A. author, poet, the late Charles Bukowski. He became wealthy and famous, a friend of celebrities like Sean Penn and Madonna, the subject of biographies and documentaries, and his late poems, his delight in driving a BMW and hobnobbing with Norman Mailer is so genuine that it becomes infectious. Now, Michael Malone is an author and screenwriter. He is a confidant of the late writer Bukowski. Says that he says this about the story that makes up his 136-page novella, Penball Wizard. This is this, the book we're talking about today. You can get it on um, Amazon and everywhere books that are sold. Young software engineer Ralph Hargraves is buffeted between a controlling father, international intrigue in the U.S. defense industry, and an impactful friendship with the writer Charles Bukowski. A wild girlfriend also ratchets up the action, and a shamanic, a shamanic physicist introduces a new way of thinking. Is Ralph the pinball wizard or the pinball? In the end, he must decide, and he does. All right, Michael, welcome to the show. How are you? Uh, I'm well, thank you. It's good oh. to be here. Oh, yeah. it's so fun to be here. I'm I'm glad that you're here and you're getting ready to share uh, you know, you're getting ready to share all this. You've had a very long career. Um, you've worn different hats, haven't you? I certainly have. <laughs> Somebody needs to write a book about your life. <laughs> well. The, a lot of my life is in this book, but uh, it's a compressed uh, period, but it entails uh, many elements of uh, that have shaped my character and my life. Yeah, that's awesome. OK, why the title Pinball Wizard? We'll just jump right in. Yeah, well, uh, Pinball Wizard is a, a fictitious program uh, that the government used to uh, collect uh, information about surface-to-air missiles and process that and uh, distribute it out to fighter pilots at, at the squadron level. But uh, the reason I chose Pinball Wizard really be, it was because, as you said, is Ralph the Pinball Wizard or the Pinball? That That's a question that is asked of him at three o'clock in the morning in a nuclear-hardened bunker in the north of England by his boss, he says, hmm, are you the pinball wizard or the pinball? So I think that's a driving theme throughout the whole book is that Ralph is trying to figure out his life. You know, he's trying to figure out a path forward and he's trying to figure out what kind of um, 
what kind of life path feels comfortable and makes sense to him. And so it's really a matter of are you are you in the driver's seat or are you just being buffeted by very various forces in your life? And he's trying to figure that out. Wow. Well, those are questions to ask. And uh, we certainly do find ourselves in positions like that sometimes, don't we? We do. Yeah. I think everyone does, really. Yeah, absolutely. Especially today, the way yeah. the world is. <laughs> so, sort of a universal conundrum that people are in, I think. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. How did you get to know iconic writer Charles Bukowski? Well, in 1980, my girlfriend was working uh, at a small health food restaurant in South Redondo Beach, L.A. It was owned by Linda Lee Bailey, and she was dating Charles Bukowski at the time, and I had read Bukowski's columns in the L.A. Free Press, so I was already aware of Bukowski, and I imagined even at that time that I wanted to write. I hadn't really written much of anything, but I imagined that I wanted to write. So I thought it could be advantageous to me to meet Bukowski, and I arranged that through my girlfriend and her employer. And Bukowski and I immediately hit it off, and we became friends. So between 1980 and the time of his death in 1994, uh, we spent a fair amount of time together at the house. He invited me to his work was being adapted at the time for many films. And so there were Hollywood premieres, parties, Sean Penn, Madonna, um, you know, lots of movie stars. But I think what was more interesting to me uh, were the times that I spent with Bukowski alone, where he would, um, you know, kind of mentor me and he read some of my stories, which he really thought were were great. And he gave me some leads about where to send those stories. And the stories were were published and purchased. And I made some my initial forays into publishing. And Bukowski, uh, he mentored me through that. So, you know, it was, um, you know, he could be profane and uh, sometimes aggressively hostile, but also humorous, kind, uh, he was a, a complex character, a multifaceted person. Yeah. That, that, that would be, it's amazing to meet an iconic person and to see the different facets of them and what drives them, what makes them, because we all have stories, don't we? And mm -hmm. um, yeah, what makes up a person is really amazing. And the things that happen in their lives, are you um, hoping to make, uh, you know, to turn um, pinball wizard into a film, a Hollywood, you know, film, or do you want a documentary, or what do you want to do? I have written. Well, there is a documentary about Charles Bukowski, and I'm an interview subject in it. It's called Bukowski: Born into This. It appeared at Sundance in 2003, and it can be seen right now free on YouTube. Bukowski: Born into This. It's it's a good film. Uh, it really gives a sense of who Bukowski was and and his life, his life's work. Uh, am I planning to a film uh, based on Pinball Wizard? Yes, I've written the screenplay and uh, and my publicist Charles Barrett is uh, is working on getting that out to people right now. And we have a variety of possible Bukowski actors that we're approaching. So. Uh, 
it's uh, it's an interesting process and and it's in it's in gear right now. Can you uh, allude to anyone you're thinking about playing his part? I shouldn't do that right now because uh, I know it's still in the works. Yes. It's early. It's very early. Yes. Right. Well, I mean, um, Sean Penn would be a great Bugowski. I mean, he would. Uh, so he know. was fantastic in um, Gaslit. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh! And it's so he was so good that, that unless you knew he was the actor, I don't even know you'd be able to tell that he was the you know that you knew right away that was him. Yeah, he he is good at transforming himself into uh, completely. Uh, some actors are just kind of movie stars, and some actors really transform themselves, and and he really can do that. Yeah. Oh man, he can. Um, well, okay, yeah. So. What would you prefer, you know, to be a feature drama or, you know, like another documentary about because it would be sort of another documentary since there's one out there or film out there. So do you have a preference? Well, uh, Pinball Wizard is not a documentary about Charles Bukowski. I mean, it's really right. uh, Charles Bukowski is a, a, a major player in it, but uh, so are my my mother, my father, my girlfriend, uh, me. I mean, so it's it's really about many elements of a young man navigating his way through uh, a, a, a labyrinth of influences and coming out the other side and making a decision about what kind of life he wants to lead. And that's what the film would be about. And that's what the novel is also about. Um, and did you, when you first met him, did you feel like right away you knew you wanted to write about him? Um, not necessarily. No, I, I, I don't think I had, I don't think I had the notion that I would someday write about Bukowski. No, I didn't. What made you do it? Um, I think... In retrospect, uh, the times that I spent with him were were uh, so dramatic and they loomed large in my mind. So it just kind of percolated uh, over the years that I I finally thought, well, uh, he was among one of one of the most interesting and dramatic characters I've ever met. And and, and I could say the same thing about um Joe Frank, who I collaborated with and, and was a good friend for a couple of decades, a, a great artist, in my opinion. Uh, so, yeah, I and Joe and I collaborated on writing some radio programs that uh, went out on the NPR syndicate uh, across the United States. So. So, yeah. I, so to answer that question, um, I think certain characters have loomed large in my life and with uh, Bukowski and Joe Frank, uh, I I did um, create work that uh, was inspired by them and involved them. Yes. Wow. That, yeah. Well, I'm glad you did. And we are talking about Pinball Wizard by Michael Malone today. And you can get it on Amazon or anywhere books are sold. So it'd be a great book for coming up for the holidays, right? For Christmas gifts or Yes, Whatever. I think so. Yes, like you're going to visit, you leave it as a gift for your for your the your hostess. Um, 
And, and the end, the end of the book uh, details a dramatic New Year's Eve party. So it is uh, perfect for the end. Oh of the yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, will you? Uh, can you um, kind of expand a little bit? You mentioned the movie that was made years ago about Bukowski, um, his life and writings called Barfly. Is that right? Well, that's uh, yeah, there have been numerous adaptations of uh, Bukowski's work. So there's the documentary called Bukowski Born Into This. Barfly was a uh, an autobiographical script that Bukowski wrote. It, it was not based on a book of Bukowski's, but he he wrote a screen a standalone screenplay based on his early life. And uh, or his life in the bars and his drinking life, and that starred uh, Mickey Rourke and Faye Dunaway, and it did um, it did very well. I mean, it made uh, a big impression, and lots of people saw it. And uh, I remember going to the premiere of it. It was uh, pretty exciting. Oh, that that is exciting. Um, I will have to go watch that definitely. Um, and it's called Barfly. I'm not yeah. sure where you can find it. I don't even know if it's on Netflix or Hulu or Prime or. It's know. kind of uh, dropped out of uh, circulation because I was trying to locate it just recently and I couldn't find it on, on any of the streams. So uh, I'll have to look into that. You know where it might be. It's possible that it could be in um, one of the few video stores that still exist that have lots that's and lots of movies. That's so right. maybe that's where to try. Yeah, there are some eclectic uh, DVD archive type video stores. Yeah, yeah. yeah that'd be awesome. Um, what do you have um, in the works right now? Or do you have any projects going on? I do. Um, for years, I have I have five thousand friends on Facebook. So for years, I've been posting short shorts that are kind of autobiographical, okay. and they're very popular. And so I'm bundling up all of those. You might call them flash fiction, flash memoir pieces, and I have photographs that will go with those. And I'm going to create a book based on those. And then I also have a book of short stories that have been published over the years. And so those two projects are coming up, the short shorts and the book of short stories. Oh, that's really, oh, that's really awesome. I'm going to go read some of them because I know we're friends on Facebook. So I want to go read them. Absolutely. Um, how did you become a writer? Because you worked in defense, right? Well, I, I was a software engineer for decades. So, but, but I, I think I felt like I wanted to be a writer when I was 16. I, I remember thinking that. I remember reading a, uh, an interview in Playboy magazine of Kurt Vonnegut. And, um, and, I, re and I remember just thinking, wow, that guy is cool. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, I, I wonder if I could do anything like he does. You know, I, I remember having that thought. And um, so I think it's been in my head all along. I mean, it's always kind of been there. But, um, you know, it's pretty, uh, it's a dicey game. And, uh, and I was also interested in science and technology and computers and programming. So I did both of those things. I, w I was always doing some writing, but I was also 
working in software. So both of those things were happening simultaneously. Mm, those are interesting dynamics to bring together um, in your life, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Most people wouldn't think those go together, but uh, there are others. Right. Uh, uh, the the sci-fi writer Ted Chang is a uh, software guy, and he he has written. He wrote the um, the short story that became the movie Arrival, uh, which was a great film. And Ted is a super talented guy. So I'm not the only one. <laughs> the only in software slash fiction writer right well i mean i've been interviewing folks for five and a half years and it's interesting the backgrounds that people have the those that have been corporate lawyers for 30 or 40 years and all of a sudden they've gone into not writing this murder mysteries you know right. and right. and um it's something they always wanted to do but they didn't think they could and then they decided to jump in and then it's done really well and you know you just you really, really never know. You, uh, we've met people, uh, my co-host for another show and I, we've met people from all over the globe. Some of those who have started were writing at five, three, you know, you, yeah. just, you just never know. My my co-writer uh, and, and friend uh, is a songwriter as well. He's been writing music since he was five years old. So, you know, he's written almost 2000 songs in his life. Wow. Lots of them recorded. And yeah, so it's really cool. Um, okay. You told us that you met Charles, did you say 1981? Is that right? Uh, 1980. Yeah. 1980. How did you meet him? Well, uh, my girlfriend uh, was working at a small health food restaurant and uh, that, that restaurant was owned by Linda Lee Bailey. And uh, okay. Linda was the girlfriend of Bukowski and later his wife. So, okay, great. So I engineered that meeting through uh, through Linda, the owner of the restaurant. Right, yeah. that's awesome. Now, does she play? Now, she's in the book, correct? She's in the book, yes. Yes. Yeah. And and you, um, you were, you're going to read um, a little excerpt from the book, correct, for us today? Well, I... Um, I rejiggered that a little bit. So the excerpt uh, is between me and the shamanic physicist. Okay. But I, but I also have an excerpt. Here's a, just a shorter piece uh, that involves my mother. So you want me to read that right now? Yeah. And, you know, I'm just thinking you're talking about a shamanic physicist. That's an interesting combination of a human. Yes. <laughs> No, that guy, uh, I call him Charlie Phillips in the book. That's not um, his real name, but uh -huh. uh, uh, he was a fascinating character. He played a soprano saxophone. He wrote poetry. He had a PhD in, in physics, uh, and he was an anti-war activist, even though he worked at a consultancy that supported the Department of Defense. Oh so, uh, you know, so he was uh, he was an interesting guy. You can't now, make those kind of characters up, can you? I know that's true. <laughs> Joe Frank always said the real thing is better than anything you could make up because Joe always wanted real stories. You right. Know? I know. I I just find people so fascinating because you just look at people sometimes and you go. I could not even create that if I tried and it just walked in and now we have to write about it. Right. Absolutely. That's true. Yeah. 
the the excerpt with the shamanic physicist is sixteen hundred words. So um, oh, okay, yeah, we yeah, you have to let's one page. Wall, right? <laughs> I wish we had time for that, but like one page maybe. Um, okay, well, uh, the shorter one is involves my mother, so I'm going to read that for you right now. Okay. okay. My mother drove slowly along Pershing Drive until she reached a tiny abandoned street in Playa del Rey. It snaked up a large hillside, and at the crest, she killed the engine and turned off the lights. The area was once a residential neighborhood, but the city had raised the houses to make way for the north runway at LAX. Only cracked and weathered blacktop remained, with the curbs still intact. Tall, parched weeds grew from where the houses had once stood. From this vantage point, she could gaze down on the entire airport. The night was crystal clear and unseasonably warm. A constellation of distant jets seemed to hover in the flat black sky. The furthest tiny landing lights were 25 miles to the east. She unwrapped a package of Benson and Hedges 100s and pulled a cigarette. Suddenly realizing she didn't have a match, she ducked back into the car to use the lighter. She hadn't smoked a cigarette in 10 years. As she took a deep drag, a 747 was on final rollout. It lifted off like a giant lumbering beast of burden. Then it thundered into the air with frightening power. Taking another puff, she watched it come straight toward her. The sound was deafening as it shrieked directly overhead. It was so close, she could see the sooty filth on the underside the intense rotating red beacon, and the massive landing gear clusters. As she turned her head, the jet continued climbing out over the ocean and started a slow, sweeping turn toward the south. The plane's onboard strobes illuminated Verig, Brazilian. Suddenly, she imagined being on it, en route to Rio, never to return. No contact with her old life again, just paint, drink in cafes, and listen to wonderful music. But this time, without a man. This time, only for herself. After stubbing out the cigarette, she drove to a nearby gas station and stepped into a phone booth. Dropping a quarter in, she dialed. Mm, okay, you have to get the book to find out who she called. Yes, you do. <laughs> So, uh, as I said, in, it involves my family. It involves my work with the Department of Defense. I'm uh, flying in a an F-111 fighter bomber and uh, through a uh, up into the north of England at three o'clock in the morning. And there's a uh, there's a malfunction that nearly kills the pilot and me. Uh, and uh, there are a lot of dramatic elements in this book. That's amazing. Were you terrified? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's an understatement. How old were you when that happened? Uh, 31. Wow. You wow. know, these fighter pilots are just kids. I mean, they have they have master's degrees in engineering, but you, you can't even do that at an advanced age. I mean, they, 
they call 35 year old uh, uh, squadron leaders grandpa. Oh. You know? <laughs> that was you know, that was my dad's dream was to be a fighter pilot. He's he it was written in his um, yearbook. And that he was going to, you know, good luck, Freddie, you know, that kind of thing. And that oh, was yeah. his dream. And um, he had flat feet, so he couldn't get in. But actually, he had a heart condition. So yeah. it kept him from being able to fulfill his dream. But he did work for uh, Lockheed Martin for 35 years. Wow. <clears throat> and then, um, yeah, he helped uh, design um, the Pershing missile that was in the Gulf War. I remember those. Yes. Yeah. So... He um he lived a very top secret life. He couldn't talk about his work. So I'm sure you had things you couldn't talk about, right? That is true. Yeah. So it leaves a big mystery for children. What does your dad do? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There, there are many in that situation. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It makes it hard. People who are not in don't live in a family like that, don't understand or can't maybe not able to imagine uh what it does to a human that has to be very um secretive about what they do. Um right. it, it I think it affects your relationship with all those around you, doesn't it? Uh I think it does. And also people who work for the CIA. Many times the, the people, their family members, they don't even know that person works for the CIA. That's how, right. that's how secretive the job is. Yeah. They have a cover story about what they do. So that they, they could go for a whole career and their family doesn't even know that they're in the CIA. I, I mean, think that would be shocking, don't you? Uh, it's almost like leading a, a a parallel existence, like I know, like, like in a in a multiverse or something. Yeah, you know? right, exactly. And multiverses are so popular right now, the Spider Man and everything. But right. uh, I right. can't, yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, I thought my husband was going to work every day selling insurance, and he was really, you know, walking through a wall and going down into a tunnel and changing his clothes, and then, you know. <laughs> He's like death defying things and he's home at six o'clock for dinner, you know? Yeah, yeah. He's oh, going through a portal to uh, another another universe. Yeah. I know, right? There's a book right there, Michael. Yeah, I think so. I like <laughs> I that. I know. I'll co-write with you, okay? Hey. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's do it. So I can tell you some interesting stories about my dad at some point, but... Uh, um, I, I think it makes for a, an interesting life, and I have a lot of compassion for that. Um, we jokingly, when I was a kid, said my dad was a bomb salesman. <laughs> you know, your friends, what are you going to tell them? Right, right. <laughs> right? So uh, anyways, but, you know, thank you so much for being on today. And it's so nice to meet you. And uh, the time just goes by way too fast. And um, I'd love to have you back on after your next project, for sure. I would love that. And um, Penball Wizard is the book. Michael Malone is the author. So please go and buy a copy um, at Barnes and Noble, you know, Amazon, everywhere books are sold. And when we put this podcast out, uh, all your information will be there. How can people get a hold of you if they'd like to? Uh, yes. Uh, well, I have a, a website for the book. So it's pinballwizardbook.com. That's pinballwizardbook.com all run together. And uh, they can uh, get in touch with me on Facebook or through that website. Yeah, you have 5,000 friends. So you can be 5,001 if Michael will accept you, right? That's right. Well, I have, I have a, there's a little slack left in there, you know. Like, <laughs> 
4,900 bloody blah. So, right. do you know all of those people? I do not. <laughs> I know that's the other question, right? Of them, but you know, it's uh, pretty hard to know 5,000 people. I right? know, right? And remember but, every single person I know. <laughs> Well, Michael, thank you so much for being here today. And um, I will be back soon. <laughs> and do something nice for yourself today and something nice for someone else. And we'll be back soon. Thank you for being a part of our audience today. Please subscribe, like, and share the podcast with your friends. And tune in for the next episode of Cover to Cover for all things in the author world.